So the moving crew visited the Kaddish Gallery last spring. Um, moving crew is an art collective. We had one member of the crew here to discuss the work with us. His name's Jeremy Chen, faculty member at Grinnell College. Um, for this exhibition, the moving crew turned the gallery into a manufacturing facility for the Viable Living Supply Company. And uh, I'd like to just take a moment to read a bit from their pamphlet. At the Viable Living Supply Company, we sell everything made everywhere. The products, services, and experiences you consume every day come from us or our subsidiaries around the globe. Visitors will tour our facility and rotate through three job stations, printing on fabric to make clothing products for the Viable Living Supply Catalog, Global Clothing Line, supply crowdsourced ideas for our product innovation research and development team, or work in our word propagation laboratory greenhouse. So you get the idea. We spoke with Jeremy about this um, during the conference, Making Connections, in April of 2018. All right, well, uh, Jeremy Chen, welcome uh, to St. Ambrose, and thanks again for your exhibition. And um, so we're recording this as a podcast series that will end up on SoundCloud. We have a few up there now already, but we'll get you on there pretty soon. Um, And I think just for everyone's benefit, if you want to introduce yourself and a little bit of your background and then I thought uh, we generally gear these as um, podcasts for students to sort of hear about the professional background of working artists and how they exist out in the world so uh, great okay tell us a little bit about yourself yeah well uh, first of all thanks uh, to the Cadditch Gallery for St. Ambrose University for uh, bringing the moving crew here and the and the our project with supplies for viable living. Um, it's a project that is uh, still unfolding. It's uh, taken several years to get going and has many different forms. So it's great to do an iteration of it here. So I'm really here just as one representative from really at least 20 different voices, if not more, in that project, uh, depending on how you're you're counting what what counts. Because even from the the people that made our paper special. Um, for the project to the to the people that are um, that design different things for that, but um, so I can speak to my background and uh, was I never thought I would go into art. I mean, uh, I was interested in a lot of other things. I was interested in filmmaking um, when I was younger, and um, so I I never thought of that. I never thought that I would go into Art. Uh, I was interested in lots of different things. I was. I always did art, or made art, or, or made things that I didn't always think of as art. And I was actually pretty interested in film early on. And when I went to college, I was interested in. I had six ma- different majors uh, at that. Not as tryouts, not as as trying to do. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You took a bunch of different classes. I took a all bunch over of different classes, and I at decided Iowa? at Iowa they let, kind yeah. of let you early on, or I don't know how tracked you had to be, but uh, you know, with the liberal arts, you had certain requirements of different areas that you had to hit, and and you know, I thought I was going to be a psychology major. I thought I was going to be an English major. I thought I was going to be communication studies. Uh, you know, I worked at the radio station. I was doing trying to be. In, into broadcasting and film, and it was tough to get into those classes uh, for film. Uh, they were popular. Really very popular. You couldn't get in. And my advisor happened to be Barbara. Barbara, um, 
and I'm forgetting her last name right now, but some people in this room know her last name. But, um, but my advisor was Barbara, and she, she said, oh, there's this thing called Intermedia in the art department, and you can get access to video cameras there, and that'd be a great way to use cameras. Um, and so I started taking Intermedia classes and got really excited about the ideas that art was bringing to the table. Um, and so I... Intermedia with... Uh, John Philwalk was who I started with. So Hans Brader was there, and, and Barbara and Hans were married. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was why she was like, oh, hey, hey this is this... Uh, <laughs> here's this thing. Yeah. And uh, I became just fascinated with, oh, this is what you can do, right? Art allowed a lot more room for the things I was interested in. And actually some of my interest in psychology started coming into the art that I was making mm -hmm. there. And... And I was just interested in the expanded idea of what art could be. Because I had, you know, in high school I was doing, it had to be in a frame, it had to, you know, it had to be functional pottery, it had to be, and then, you know, being exposed to early William Wegman pieces where, you know, uh, things with the early stuff with the dogs that, you know, uh, or... Uh, <laughs> all sorts of amazing things that I was like, what is this thing? I don't know what this thing is, this art thing. It made me think about something that I hadn't thought of, you know, that I think I really thought of more as just, um, you know, go to a museum and then it's, uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't yeah. part of my life, yeah, yeah, right? And yeah. the stuff that they were talking about was so much more interesting. It's like, oh yeah, I want to do more of that. Mm -hmm. This could be, like it felt real and alive. Um, so anyway, I, I eventually became an art major, but then it was uh, like, oh, what will I do, right? So I chickened out. I didn't do the BFA thing. I was like, I need to do something practical. I, so I did art education as well. So I, I got certified for K-12 art ed uh, and loved, actually loved that. I learned a lot uh, uh, from that. Um, but I didn't that get when it. I was still at North Hall and yep. took all the classes yeah, over there? Yeah, yeah, took classes over there. Uh, um and 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 through. Now yeah now the center is is has a huge amount of space in North Hall yeah so it's that same building. I don't remember if the center was there yet at that time or not. Okay, um, and if it was the center at that point, I mean this is. I don't know been, when they officially it became. The ma I mean the master's program was. Like, just more recent. Yeah, the master's yeah, is really yeah. I do know. Yeah, it must have been there because Kay Amer was over in journalism, but she was involved with the center. But I, that was not on my radar, any of that stuff at that time, although later it was. But So I, all of what I'm describing is this sort of stumbling onto art as a thing and then trying to make it a, how do you live a life where you can include it in as much as possible? And certainly the K-12, so then I got done with school, I taught uh, K-6 through art. Um, and it was just like an art factory for kids. Like it was like half an hour, kindergartners. Like you know, by the time I got all the supplies out, told them what we were doing, and then it was time to clean up. It was like five minutes of actually making something. I mean, it felt like that, you know. Yeah. And then I didn't see them later that week. I saw them six days later. Oh, right, because art is not. They saw it at once that, a week. that spot. It was yeah, it was even less than once less a week, once right? A week. So so I might see those kids like. 12 to 15 times I don't even know what the count was but in a semester for like very short amount, short amounts of mm -hmm. time 
so it wasn't fulfilling for me. Like I could barely remember their names or anything. Mm-hmm. So, but I did that for a while, and then I got um, I got a job back uh, in Iowa City with uh, working with youth. Uh, homeless mm. youth. I'd been volunteering. Actually, the volunteer stuff started because an education class made me go volunteer somewhere. Mm. But I started working with homeless uh, and trans- what they call transitional youth. So, you know, sort of kids that had they weren't going to get a foster home, but then they um, but they needed to sort of have some supervision before they were mm-hmm. uh, eighteen and learn some skills. And I I try to include a lot of art stuff with them, with what I was doing. But anyway, so I had a long stretch of that. I did that for about six, seven years. Um, and then I went, I got, uh, I, I, I uh, decided that I um, needed to change. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get back towards art more and, and more in depth. Um, so I, was, I took some classes, uh, grad classes as a special student, and, and um, went, got very interested in printmaking. I'd done more sculpture in undergrad, and... Um, I'd love printmaking, but I had just come to it late, and I decided I wanted to go back into something like that. And so I, uh, so I started taking some classes, and I um, at Iowa at Iowa as a special student, and I was working for the College of Education, uh, supervising some of their teachers, um, and doing site visits at the different schools, and then uh, and started applying to grad schools. Um, not really knowing what that would even be, what that would look like, um, but just knowing that I wanted to make art more mm-hmm. and learn that I didn't know enough. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't, like the classes were nice because I realized, oh, okay, yeah, actually, like, I don't know. I was, it was nice to be able to take classes as a special student where I wasn't in the program because yeah. I, I realized what I had to do to be better. Yeah. Know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, as an outsider, a little yeah. bit separate, yep. but yeah, and testing the waters a little bit. Yeah. Not so much ego there. Yeah, well, I was intimidated by all the yeah. people in it, you know, yeah. uh, you know, because they just seemed like they were so good. And, and they were, they were <laughs> and artists. Like, they were committed artists or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, how do I get? How do I? I didn't feel like my game was anywhere there, and and even after I got in, I didn't feel like yeah. So, so you were taking printmaking classes at yeah. Iowa with uh, printmakers there, but you were applying to schools elsewhere. Yep, yep. Yeah, so... I, and were the printmaking classes kind of leading you towards printmaking programs? Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, because so yeah, I, I hadn't taken enough as an undergrad, so I said, I need to take more to know if that's really what I want to go to grad school in. Because mm-hmm. I, as I said, I'd been mostly doing sculpture. Mm-hmm. So by taking those, I was like, oh yeah, I really love this thing, and it's really interesting. It has a lot of possibilities for what I want to do art-wise, and I just like learning the, mm-hmm. the skills and... Um, I was pretty attracted to the antiquated technology, Um, but then also that it, new things come in, right? That you have, you know, litho, screen print, digital all starts to come in. That was exciting to me that you could have a lot of options. And the shop, being in the shop seemed like an environment that you enjoyed. Yeah, I love, I love the collaborative nature of the print shop I mean and even when I was doing sculpture I thought that was nice you know you'd see people in the wood shop you'd see people in the welding studios it's not just your own little uh, little spot so the print shop people 
you know, the people I was with were so generous in teaching me things mm. and patient with me. And, mm. you know, I didn't have as strong of a print background as they had when they had done. That's, you know, whether they're BFA students or all the different things that they brought. Mm-hmm. So I really loved that environment where people would help each other or say, let me show you a better way to do that. Or or even, you know, there's just big, heavy stuff sometimes or you're, you're doing an addition or somebody's clean, hand, clean hands, dirty hands. You know, with the paper and the inking. So, um, and then just people active in a space, you know, and even, you know, even in the painting studio, it was nice when other people were painting. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep going and do this, or we're going to take a break and talk. And I guess part of me liked that social aspect of the print shop. Yeah. Um, and, and being, seeing other people's work and then going, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's sort of sharing. It just seemed like a natural space for sharing. Totally. So, okay, so then um, eventually you actually apply to Iowa. I mean, what I, I think it's interesting of, that you were schools, Iowa yeah. undergrad and yeah. Iowa grad is, is yeah. pretty rare. I mean, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, yeah. And, In fact, and they kind of they kind of push against it, right? I mean, generally speaking, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some hesitation about. They don't want to. My sense was that they didn't want to. Well, there's two things. One is I think it's good to go elsewhere and grow and, and experience new things, right? So sometimes I've said, well, why did I go to Iowa? And, and um, But I think that the other thing, aside from going and, and seeing a new place and learning new new things, you know, every place does things differently. So, you know, yeah. uh, different techniques, different skills, um, different conversations. But for me, since I'd been doing more sculpture and I'd only taken print with one person at Iowa... Mm-hmm. Um, every, I hadn't studied with any of the other people mm-hmm. so it was going to be new for me right. um, but I didn't want I didn't start out wanting to go there mm-hmm. you know but I had started a family by that time mm-hmm. in my life I was an older student coming back and so for me I had geographic limitations and so Iowa became one of the choices for me um, but I actually had an offer to go somewhere else uh and really thought seriously about about that. Um, uh, and actually, I wanted to go there <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and it was a, it was a great offer, but um, mm. but my partner did not. Mm-hmm. There was not going to be anything for my partner right. there. Right. Yeah. And financially, it would have been a harder shift for us. And so. So sure. there were multiple considerations, and and actually looking back on it, the I I am glad I didn't go. There were there were not some of the things. Uh, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I guess really ultimately, who knows? But I was happy with what happened. I met great people mm-hmm. at Iowa. Um, I learned great things there, and then you just keep learning, right? Yeah. No matter where you go, your education has its limitations. Sure. Uh, and so Iowa. Um fostered the environment that allowed the moving crew to occur? Yeah, yeah. It, um, I think, I don't know if it fostered it, it allowed it. Mm-hmm. it, it be, the first iteration was the international uh, collage research and production team. So we had a group. We were... We were I see rap. I crapped. I crapped. <laughs> so the first, the first iteration was this international collage research and production team. 
and there was a collage conference being put on. You know, uh, it's well known for Dada and Fluxus at Iowa. So Rudy Coonsley, um, Kemru McLeod, two mm -hmm. professors at Iowa, were starting this uh, uh, conference mm -hmm. on collage. And so they had people, experts coming from all over. They had great people like Negative Land. They had great talks, mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of great stuff, and a show at the museum or a talk at the museum. And uh, I had applied to do a presentation there, and a friend of mine, a collaborator, had replied, and we both got rejected. And we're like, let's just do our own thing. <laughs> and so we got um, in this, we got into a space in downtown Iowa City to create this international. We we call ourselves a visiting artist to mm -hmm. this to this center, and. Uh, we just created a whole bunch of materials there for people from the public to come down um, to create collages. We did these installations. We had music, sound collage, some video collage. Um, and we, we just said we wanted to promote um, the collage lifestyle. Mm. And so we had all of this stuff down there and, and an open space for people to come and work and make stuff. And we had different presentations. And we, we had people actually send stuff internationally. We had, um, some people uh, from elsewhere uh, making stuff, and it was just a really, I got really excited about it. And mm -hmm. it, that whole, when you, you were talking about the fostering, yeah. at the time that I was at Iowa, it was, Instigated uh, you it had the, the Menards transition, mm -hmm. that building, but the before, yeah. it, things were actually pretty siloed or right. pretty, pretty segregated, and Right. These people stayed working in this area. These people stayed working in this area. There wasn't that flow, yeah. you know, or yeah. look at MIT had that, what was it, which building? Yeah. It's this famous there. building, 20, it had a number. It was like building 26, and that's yeah. where all this flow happened. All these people were mixing ideas. It was just the utilitarian building where they threw Noam Chomsky mm -hmm. next to, like, these engineers next mm -hmm. to whoever, and it became this sort of famous model of architectural design where... You actually want to create interaction. Yeah. You want to create, you know, happenstance, sort of happy meeting people in the hall or at the coffee maker yeah. and say, oh, yeah, we're, and then this cross-pollination happens. And I and did it with the Menards building. I <laughs> did it with the Menards building. It took a flood to sort of yeah. in, enhance that, you know, and now they're struggling maybe with now things are vertically happening. And so I think they all stay on their plateau mm -hmm. and they need something. I suggested firefighter poles mm -hmm. to try to create some sort of permeability with that, you know, but, but nobody built the firefighter. <laughs> Stephen Hall's not going to allow that. No. But, um... Yeah. But we, we wanted that we wanted to invite people across the disciplines that were and 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 uh, so in this international collage reproduction uh, research and production team, sorry. Um, we tried to get writers, we tried to get uh, filmmakers, we tried to get uh, artists from all the different areas. Hmm. Um, so you, and the public. We also wanted it not to be a closed system just and just a school inside. thing, but the public and and interact. I'm curious about how to, yeah all those factors play together. Like you, you come to grad school and back to art from a sort of from left yeah. field. Yeah. You never thought of yourself as an artist. Mm -hmm. Now you're kind of stumbling into being an artist. Yeah. And you never thought you'd go to Iowa, but you stumble into Iowa. Mm -hmm. And Iowa doesn't really like people interacting, so they keep them all separate. Mm -hmm. And you just you kind of keep kind of keep rubbing up against <laughs> it and like. And uh, stumbling through the, so I really understand what you say. They didn't really foster it, but something about your personality is sort of mixing with all these 
yeah. variables and now coming to this place, yeah. which Iowa really needed to and eventually tried to go to more later. Yeah. But and, and there were people, I should say that there were individuals that fostered yeah. and there were individuals that supported. And I really appreciated that, you know. So there were definitely people that, that did that. Just I wanted to ask a question right on the heels of ICRAP. Was there, here's a memory I had, I don't know if this is that occasion mm. or not. People are walking across the bridge at the art building, and they're going, I think it's you guys, you're going to the museum for some kind of talk or something? Uh, was this with those cardboard boats and all of that, or uh, a different I, I, one? So anyhow, okay. maybe. So then we're in the museum. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And you didn't know Rudy Kunzli was behind you when you guys were talking about the subversion you were going to perform. Yeah. And he loved it. And he said, this is exactly what collage is. is that yeah. Well, no, I, yeah, and I think, I mean, he he and, like, a bunch of those people, they did love it from the very beginning. We weren't trying to be antagonistic. We were just trying to add ourselves on to the events. And uh, so our goal wasn't to be, like, we weren't, we just realized how things work. Yeah, yeah. So he was great because he came down. We actually then invited him. We gave out all these awards to um, people for... Um, uh, we, anyway, we gave out all these awards about about the collages that, that some people had done. And we actually invited him to come down and give those out and sign the certificates and all that. So it was... So it, was, it ended up being collaborative. At the beginning, it was just... We were like, oh, we wanted to participate, and, and we didn't get our talks and uh, accepted, which actually led to this other thing that I'm actually really proud of. That whole we had six weeks in this gallery. We had like I don't know dozens of events. We had it was just the most active, vibrant thing that I was involved in in, in grad school. And I wasn't the I mean it was a big group of people, so I'm just I was just quite happy to be a part of it. Um, yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, it seems like it seems like there's a stumbling upon your yourself, your identity mm. as an artist, as a provocateur to a certain extent. Mm. Maybe maybe I would say a gentle provocateur, you yeah, know, like yeah. you're not like you're not you subvert but in a sly way maybe. And yeah. and is there a sort of discovery of that through through this period of time, like over these years, finding that about yourself, like yeah. there wasn't enough to be uh, the teacher doing just doing a, a job, and but you want you're looking for this other thing that's more. more. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think that's an interesting insight because I think you know when somebody introduced me to the the uh, and, and then when we got into the moving crew as well, somebody introduced all of us to this idea about cultural animation, right? I guess in France they have people that are actually paid to be cultural animators. I don't think it's a very high paying job, but <laughs> but um, but hey, you're in France and you're a cultural animator. Yeah. So, so, I, I, cultural so they were saying, oh, what you're doing is sort of being this cultural animator. We were trying to do things that weren't just in the museum or that weren't just in the studio. We were trying to expand, you know, and this was a time of a lot of movement towards interaction, towards I mean, people got sick of, of you know, the, the um, uh, Boreos, you know, mm -hmm. relational aesthetics yeah, was thrown yeah. around. Yeah, but, yeah, right. but, but that was exciting to us. Like, we also 
didn't think we were doing that exact same thing, mm-hmm. but we were, we were excited about trying to make the art permeable, that it would flow into life and in different ways. And so the, the collage group, for instance, so, so there was this cultural animation. The other words that the, one of the writers in our group invented was, because you said agi- agitation? Or provo- provocateur, yeah, yeah. provocateur, and, and what this person said was gentle agitation. Hmm. So there's there's an interest that we have in trying to bring things in that aren't antagonistic. I think there's a role for antagonism in, in, politically and and socially and all of that. But I, um, but our role, we wanted people, we wanted to create as inclusive an environment as possible so that a six-year-old kid could come in and make stuff at this collage thing or be involved in mm-hmm. things that we do with the moving crew and also a person who is trained in art um, somebody with an MFA you know because you know because I had a student once <laughs> uh, who was like ah oh, you know I really like the paintings I'm doing now the more I like the paintings the more you guys like our paintings the less my family likes my paintings <laughs> like my grandma doesn't you know, she, my grandma's yeah. like I don't. Oh, man, if I had I a nickel for every it. time I heard yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. And so I think what we are interested in it is there a way? You know, there's a place for all of that probably, but but we're trying to how can the art sort of be more inserted into art? How can uh, into life? How can it transcend that issue of where the grandma's just saying the very polite thing of oh that's very interesting, you know, or oh how unique, you know, and um, oh yeah, very you know those are. Yeah, my, my parents basically accused my college professors of ruining me mm-hmm. <laughs> at my graduation ceremony. They're like, well, "Yeah, we liked what he made in high school." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, and I think that's what happened. Yeah, and I you into a pornographer. And you know, that <laughs> idea of like, does does my student's grandmother have to go get an MFA in order to understand those paintings? I mean, she brought me this really interesting dilemma that she was facing, and and. You know, and so I guess I'm interested in spaces that, and and I guess what the moving crew and what iCraft has always sort of shown us or taught us or what we were trying to do is how do you create a space that's different than our normal spaces? You know, how do you create something that isn't what we expect already? How do you create a space that has its own rules, which is, you know, a painting does that too. If, if we could tell people how to look at a painting, how to say, just have an experience with that versus it needs to be a landscape or a portrait right. or all these things that we know how to right. read it. If we could spend that for a moment and just say, I'm coming, I'm coming into the space, something will happen here. Mm-hmm. And so part of our being a provocateur or this gentle agitation is trying to get people into it and realizing that there's nothing wrong going to happen to them. It's going to be okay. Because yeah. even just going into a museum, sometimes you don't know how you're supposed to. Right. Many people, if you're not in art, you, you, you're not always sure, right? You do that all the time. How do I read this? How do I behave? How do I, what can I touch? What can't I touch? So I think we're interested as a, as a group, the moving, uh, the moving crew has been interested in creating spaces of inclusion but then also that have a little bit of the provocateur or the trickster maybe i mean we we did a lot of talking about a trickster or um uh, something where it's a different space where new things can happen and and in that way it's a place for a a space for play Mm. 
we try to create spaces where we're improvising or the participants are improvising and there's a little give and take um, where our roles are different than our normal roles of every day. And I think that space is really exciting and interesting. It doesn't always work yeah. um, and it succeeds better. And some people don't want to play along with that. Right. Like, oh, I get it. This is about that. You know, We've had some really interesting reactions that if somebody comes in and they just want to come into an opening and drink some Chardonnay, they don't always want to play along with what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's we had some really interesting responses. Um, huh. You want to talk about a few of the moving crew experiments over the years? Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you traveled the world with it. Yeah, parts, yeah. parts of the world. You know, we've we had one of the moving crew members, a key. So, so I should maybe back up. Yeah. And say. We've tended to have a core, a, a core group that was around five to eight people usually at any given time. Um, and then there was this larger call. We often tried to have a larger call where we were as, as inclusive as possible. And so one of our, um, so it's the numbers of people have fluctuated, you know, um, but usually there's a core that comes up with an idea and then tries to uh, build build that up. Um, so we started off with a project, um, let's see, I guess I don't know that I can even go in chronological order, so maybe no. I'll just start off with uh, just thinking about, so one of our projects involved um, creating passports, mm. um, mimicking a U.S. passport, uh, um, but it was, they just said home on the front in gold. Uh, foil, foil stamped gold and there was an anchor so home and an anchor and uh, we created so there was one version where we just made hundreds of these by hand <laughs> um, and like drew each one like no no these are printed they're printed and they are and then we also and we used actual center for the book kind of stamping mm. um, and and there was some imagery in there and then we would we would take uh, Polaroid pictures of people coming through. Our, we had a whole installation interactive thing where we'd bring people in, get their picture, and then while and then they would process it while they were going through some other things. We'd process it and yeah. tape it, and then they would leave with this artifact of being part of this new sort of belonging, mm -hmm. right? Which is if you have that passport of home, yeah. you know. And people, we had people come in that were. U.S. citizens. We had people that came in that were international students or people from the community, and and but then they could go around to different stations and get stamps on there into into the passports, um, and and so there were a bunch of sort of interactive activities. They had to get on a boat. A lot of it was about this immigrant experience. Um, so they had to get on this boat and and row. Uh, we had a, a boat captain that would you know say you know okay more more. more. Um, and then they would travel through some different parts of our installation and, and mm. visit these new lands or these new worlds or, or new places. So, so mm. we did that one a couple times, and, and we did it at the Bemis Underground. And mm. that one, we, we, the, in, the version of that was they had two choices, actually. And this was sort of, so Omaha is a really interesting place because, for a number of reasons. And we, tried to t we always try to tap into what's happening locally with a place. Um, so it's site-specific, it's site-responsive. But with Omaha, we um, we actually created partly because of the timing. Uh, the Minutemen were pretty active at that time in Arizona. Mm. Um, Omaha is one of the spots for getting your interview for for uh, for visas. I think mm. I think there's an office there. 
Um, but anyway, we, uh, we created a choice as you came into this space. You could either go to this, uh, you had to change your money when you came down and you would, and, uh, and then you could you change your money, you got a certain amount of money and you could buy this, you, that's what you bought your passport with. Mm. Other people would, uh, so we had all this money here, these, <laughs> these slabs, this fictional currency, um, well, it was real in the space, but, but we had, you know, it's like in a, in a briefcase with all this dry ice and it's all this money and you change your money. It's all the money's pink. Um, they were called slabs. The currency was a slab. Uh, and you would, you would like, I think we charged a dollar and then you could get X number of slabs, right? Which would supply everything you needed. So, so you could either go and buy your passport, get in line for this passport home, or we had these coyotes that would say, Hey, you don't want to go do yeah. that. Like we can get yeah. you, we can get you in here much, much better. So, right. so some people chose this labyrinth path with the coyotes, and they had to go through this tunnel and maze. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. We had five thousand square feet, so it's huge. At Bemis Undergrad, this is Bemis wow. Undergrad, yeah. so it's five thousand square feet. Um, and so some people did that, and then they ended up in this back little room. There were all these code messages in the tunnels that they had to sort of figure out and then they got to a space where they could fake their own passports we had a whole supply of things they could choose their picture that looked like them or didn't look like them they would put it into these passports that they made versus the other people that took the formal way then we made all these passports for them they got their official picture they did all this and then they got onto the boat through these and then rode through the got on their got on their boat into these new lands um, and then they could choose to buy plots of land if they wanted, right? Of course, all of this is also thinking about, uh, we, were, we were actually responding to a broadside um, that's in the Library of Congress that says Iowa, Nebraska, new lands, right? Which is sort of thinking about all this land belonged to somebody at some point, right? But, um, but we were interested in that moment of the westward expansion and thinking about, uh, so, so people could buy land, and we had all this sod in there in the basement, and people would buy a little plot, mm-hmm. and then we gave them a little flag and a number, and then they would <laughs> populate, we gave them all this material, and they could wow. populate that little plot of land. And it was interesting, some people, wow. some people made fences around there, like it was really interesting, and we just, people just replicated what they see around yeah. them. So, so some people were doing fences and telling people not to come over there, and then, then other people were, a little, you know, responding differently with it. So it was hmm. really interesting. So there were these social experiments within there. Um, so we had a saloon in this spot, and we also had the general store, and we had people tending that. You could exchange. You could buy seeds. You could. Um, you. That's where Jeez. you know openings have openings usually have some refreshments, and yeah. so so it supplied us with a keg. And so with your slabs, you could buy your buy your drinks uh, in exchange with the, with the bartender there. Um, yeah, wow. we, we, so we sold all these different things in there. Um, so so that, was, was a one, that was a one-night occurrence? Or it was, you, were you able to maintain that over a period of time? Or? The, so they had an event where it was a gallery walk. Mm-hmm. So that big event was one night. But we had it open other nights, too, throughout the six weeks. Not every single night. But we did have other nights that we were doing it. It wow. was exhausting, yeah. Um, but so much fun. But also, yeah, it was. Hmm. It was. It was um, 
find different participants? Like for other nights, were there people that were coming there specifically for, like knowing that that was occurring, coming there for the experience, or did you find that there were people that stumbled? stumbled? Yes, yeah, we had both on both nights, even the gallery walk night. So we did have somebody who just was like, they were they didn't want to participate they were just like i came to do the gallery walk and what you do on a gallery walk is you go and you look at things on the wall and then you drink wine you know i think i mean i'm paraphrasing but yeah yeah she had no patience for what we were doing and but then other people stumbled on like this is so cool like you know and they really got into it and the passports that people made were gorgeous you know i wish i would have we didn't have time to document a lot of that because we're just, we're performing, we're doing it. Like we were literally lighting the thing. Like it opened at six and we were lighting it at 5.59 and the power went out and we were just like panicking. So we just, we were just, it was, yeah. it was this, but it was an amazing experience. Like it, it was, but yeah, we had people that just stumbled on it and loved it, you know, and some people that, that didn't really, really like it. I mean, I think about it as, do you remember that movie... Being John Malkovich, <laughs> I don't know if your people remember that, but there's the eight and a half floor, and you take the elevator up, and then there's this floor. It's eight and a half, and it's like, and I think part of what we were doing was was trying to like we could never be as good as that. The film was pretty amazing, but um, but I think what we were trying to do is have this other thing happen, and some people just thought that was amazing, you know, and they they stumbled on it, and that was like exciting for them, and and some people. I would have to say it was pretty. It was few fewer people that didn't really like it. I think most people there. We had good audiences. Yeah. 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 And we learned speaking, a lot. Was... We learned a lot from that experience. It was. So that was sort group. of the first big thing. Yeah. 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 That was the first big thing. So moving crew was a group of generally Iowa grad students. Generally, yeah. Not every. There that were crossed the boundaries yeah. within Iowa, and then. Yeah found themselves yeah. as a collaborative group, yeah. applied for a residency as a collaborative group. Yes. Yeah. Went to Bemis, did that. And did that. Yeah, we I mean we I would say we had we had people that weren't that weren't enrolled at Iowa. We had writers, we had social workers, we had other people. Okay. So we really did try to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah. So we had we had, we had a bartender that just participated mm. with us. That person later applied to grad school. I mean yeah. I think that person yeah. wanted to be it. You know, became yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, amazing. Hmm. Amazing uh, member of the of the group, and there was one project that was international in scope. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we did a project called Ideal X, and actually, so before anyone leaves, I have a I have some catalogs from that that I want to be able to give anybody that's interested. Um, but that was a box about um, international shipping, and and we had you know one of our members was from Rijeka, Croatia, and. Uh, some members went out and visited uh, ahead of time and said, "Oh, what can we do at this in this place? What is this place? What is this site?" And and the gallery that we were trying to show in was inside of the shipping container area. It was somehow this public building was inside of this area, and so mm-hmm. we became really interested in the shipping. We were sa- we saw you know these big cranes these big giraffes uh yeah eating the cargo or disgorging the cargo and we said we have to do something if this is where the gallery is 
Um, so it was it was a, it was an NGO, an umbrella NGO that then had all these cultural. It was a cultural space mm. where they had all kinds of things happening there, and and including an art art gallery and art space. So we. Mm. So we decided to re- respond to that, you know, and, and then we did, we do a lot of research um, and, we, and we had found out that, that this port was actually, you know, it was the main port for the Austro-Hungarian, for the Habsburg, for the empire um, at the time. It's very small now compared to what's out there, but, but you know, it's still an active port. Um, but we responded to that and we decided to create a project in two sites state in the states and then in Rijeka where we had that show Mm. and so we created a project with this open call where we just said hey provide us of the provide the moving crew with images for containers for container shipping Um, and those images could be a brand or a logo but they could also just be rust, you know, sort of detritus, marks that these shipping containers, because, you know, really they're great form. Formally, they're beautiful images. Yeah. The colors are interesting, how they get beat up, how they have the... Yeah. Um, but we collected all of this stuff um, sent to us digitally, all these digital files, and we cleaned them all up and got them ready for screen printing. And we... Uh, we... Um, we designed for a, a cardboard boxes to be the exact same dimensions except miniature as shipping containers, right? As the standard for shipping containers, which is the European standard. Because in the U.S. we see these huge ones, right? You see them around town here and they're, they're really, really long. But in Europe, they can't go through some of the train tunnels oh. with that really long. We can have them on our semis here and most of our tunnels. And, um, but in Europe, it has to be the sort of what's closer to 20 by 8 by 8 is what, what's the standard. And that's how they measure how full a shipping container is, even if it's mm-hmm. – even. So I'm sorry, I'm going off into, like, minutia. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. But um, what did you say earlier? Me- choose your words carefully. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, cut it, we'll cut it all cut down. It. It'll be fun. You can edit down. This will be a good five minutes. Of, yeah. yeah. Ideal X, 20 by 8 by 8. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, we, we created all of our shipping t- containers, and we're talking about thousands really? of boxes, to make an actual 20-foot by 8-foot by 8-foot container. So a life-size Whoa. container for the galleries, life-size container, but each one as a, as a module is actually the same dimension. Mm. And we printed on that with the cor- what looked like the corrugation, all the marks and the the handles to open and close it, um, and then we put in all of the uh, the logos that people had submitted, um, and again internationally. So mm-hmm. people submitted from s- many different countries and all across the U.S. And then we also held workshops in different locations. So in Chicago, in Iowa City, we held, held several workshops. In Chicago, we had several workshops. Um, in, where else did we? I can't even remember. We did, so not a, uh, let's see, so we did workshops there, we did, and then we also spent the summer in Croatia um, doing the same thing, printing there with with, uh, with that center and with students from the, the university there, um, and we collaborated with different artists there and dancers and, uh, you know, filmmakers and, and just trying to do a bunch of different iterations. Yeah including we got invited to make a mural with the project in Chicago. So we painted um, 
there was a bar that thinks of itself as a speakeasy, and they had different artists um, decorating the outside of their their places in Wicker Park. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it's still there, but um, we painted it to look like shipping containers. <laughs> um, and we even graffitied our own our own spot because <laughs> the previous play the previous things had all been tagged a bunch, mm. and they were telling us, "Oh, you guys did a good job with your tags because." No one else. It took like weeks before someone tagged over it to try to reclaim the territory. So, so we were sort of proud of that. But, huh. did, did you find a different, um, just basically uh, off of the past two days of this conference, did you find a different voice in Corisa dealing with those? And then also, uh, was the speakeasy just the speakeasy? Because I remember right before I left, because I was in Chicago mm-hmm. in from 2005 to 2009, in, the, in Wicker Park there was a place that you had to like the Violet find Hour? a um, space that had been repeated over. Oh, <laughs> like so it was a yeah. permanently created thing. I, okay, that might not have been that. That, that might be a different. But this place was called the Violet Hour. So it's right across from the Star Bar with yeah, the tacos okay. and all yeah, that. Yeah. And um, I don't know what it is now. Okay, okay. I think it was the same space, actually. Okay. Well, if it's not the same space, it's within the block. The okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, back to the uh, more important. <laughs> but your question about voices is interesting. I mean, I think it's weird in some ways because we're just a multi-voice thing. Like, it's interesting to try to figure out what our voice is. Like... Collaboration's hard, you know. It's it's not easy, and it's uh, like we people get on each other's nerves, or we're stressed out, or we're you know we're working in difficult spaces, or you know the Bemis Underground was like you know we were doing all of that. It was so much work, and we were like staying in the gallery, right? And I know there are stories of artists doing this for many many generations, but but it wasn't easy. And and how do you create a voice that is? I mean, I think our model has tried to be like jazz. Like, I, I think we are a very American group in a lot of ways, even though we are international, or we have been trying to be international or have been international. But I think we're trying to, you know, how do we have people that are good at different instruments, different things, but still make something that sounds good? And, and you know, I think we've produced, a, uh, you know, I think we've had some successes, but then there are also the very clunky moments where you're practicing and you're like, it ends up, you know, in, in jazz vernacular, it ends up like a train wreck, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, we're not having the same mental right. model, and so it's slow, also, I feel like this collaboration, at times it's very quick, and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, you do that, and then, oh, what if we did this, and and just works, right, and then other times it's like, no, like, somebody's like, no, that will look terrible, and then someone else is like, no, it won't, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or, or, the worst thing is where somebody's like, that will look great, and then everyone's quiet, right? When, so it's like, you know, like where, where, and then we go along with it, and somebody's upset later on, and like, oh, that looks horrible. I'm like, well, why didn't you say anything when you're, yeah. like, there's a, so personalities and all that, like, it's, it's complicated. When, yeah. you get, uh, when you get many voices involved, and when you're trying to have, not like, oh, this person did this, this person did this. We're really trying to make something integrated and whole, and so how do you do that? Right. Um, and that was something that was hard in terms of voice. Like some people wanted to say, oh, this is mine and I did that in, in that show, right? And so trying to talk about our model even, you know, of what that was and authorship, uh, sort of this other model of authorship that we were interested in where we don't say who did what or what's yeah. what or actually everything is always just the moving crew. It's not me or that person right. or that person. It's just, right. 
Yeah, I remember being part of a collaborative group for a while in my 20s, and a lot of talk was spent on if something sells, how much oh, yeah, does yeah. each person get of each thing? <laughs> like, we had these, like, equations. Like, we had to work it out. Like, you know, if this person took the photograph and these actors were in the photograph, <laughs> then they each get this percentage. I mean... Well, it's a good Nothing problem. Nothing ever sold so well, that's matter, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, but it's very rare. like three things ever, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the, the problem, yeah, artists can it's imagine It's like whoever was problem. there to receive the money got the money. That's how it ended up working out, you know? But, um, but I totally yeah. get that. Like, yeah. as a sustainable model moving forward, man, I yeah. don't know. That yeah, and we don't see, that. I mean, we just, if we, we've never made money. Yeah. We always lose money. We subsidize it, you know? Sure. Um, in various ways, we've had some different ways of subsidizing, but it's also like if we, you know, I would, I would like be... that scroll. Many of us would like that scroll mm. to sell. Sure. Um, so because with sell. that addition, yeah. and so we've, so but what we've talked about, and we haven't settled on where, but that will all be donated. Yeah. Like so, we're like any money from that will be donated. Mm. Um, and I think that's one nice thing, too. This is just all of this collaborative practice is on top of everyone in the group has their own practice. They yeah. do their own thing. So this is just something that people felt like they needed for various reasons and at various different. We have people come and go, sure. too. So Sure. Maybe um, crew will live on the new form moving may, forward, probably. Maybe. maybe. Like, now, you know, people are... People are having kids. They're busy. Is there, is there they're a spark moving of the to different crew places. that could uh, light again in the future. I don't think it will ever die, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know how active it will always be. I would like yeah. it. I think I I am. I love some of the projects that we've done. I feel like people have you know it's like blood, sweat, tears, and sure. I, I, I people have been amazing yeah. in the project. Um, but it is a lot of work, sure. and people have their own things that they're doing. So it's hard to sustain on top of yeah. life and work and all those things. Yeah. And so, so I hope that it continues. I'm not sure. I mean, and again, people can come and go. So some people just can't do it now, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, or some people don't want to participate with the dynamic. You know, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, you know, the it's groups change. Groups change. Groups grow. Uh, they form. I, I always like this uh, from from my more of my social work years. But the idea of form, storm, and norm is pretty interesting to me. So <laughs> groups form, and then everyone's sort of polite to each other at the beginning, right? And then you start working with a group and with collaboration, and then it starts to get messier, right? And that's a really interesting moment. Yeah. But then there's a storm, right? Reality TV is so good at this, right? Like a Project <laughs> yeah. Runway, or um, yeah. you know, like any of these things where you're like. The, the group forms and they're all nice to each other or there's like the one person who's provocative <laughs> yeah. and like then there's a lot of a side camera things like well I don't know why they did that you know and right, right. So this form, and, but then eventually the yeah but I think um, the moving crew when it worked well when it works well it's sort of when you figure out how we work you know how it works and people are more the mental model is more or less moving in the same direction and that's what you know when I think of jazz when when all the different voices and that diversity is there, yet you're able to make something whole out yeah. of it, that's exciting to me. And I think that was exciting to, you know, people in the core group, for sure. You know, what I don't know is people that just send an image in, how they feel about it, you know. Um, some people have continued to do that, and then some people are one and done, and I don't know what their feelings are if they feel like... I mean, our goal isn't to use people. Um, sure. 
Um, and we're fine if people use us. You know, we I've seen resumes and they're like in this show or that show, yeah, and they, they maybe did one crew. tiny little thing, <laughs> and that's that's totally fine with me. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they remember. They remember that way. Everyone's a member. Yeah. You, you you might already be a member. I've certainly been a bit part of the corporation for a moment here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we want that. We want. <laughs> yeah. So do you see with moving crew? Do you see it as? Um, I'm trying to. I was trying to think of a good analogy. Um, the only thing I think of was like a a superhero group, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly it. Time, there's yeah. only like. You know, you're thinking of the original, and and their tenure influences the people that come in. And so there's nobody that's necessarily coming in that's never been there before, but right, they right. are influenced or... Yeah, or there's this sort of generations or generations. Genera- at some point in time, you see only one original member, or, yeah. or huh. you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a ship of Theseus question <laughs> Danny, <laughs> Danny would like right. to use, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, so I was lucky enough to um, get a chance to talk to Steve Kurtz about Critical Art Ensemble a few years back, and I was like, you know, this was back now the movie crew's done stuff for about a little, well, now over 10 years, right? And um, But at the time, it was like five years that we'd been doing stuff, and, and he's like, oh, that's great. Like, that's a really long track record for a collaborative group. <laughs> and then I'm just like looking at, you know, him, like, how did, how did you guys do it? And but he was he was saying you just you have to people have to have fun like it can't be miserable you know so when you're sleeping in the basement of Bemis and it's a hard cold cement floor and there's cockroaches in the toilets backing up like what are the yeah yeah it was miserable how often are you going to keep repeating that experience yeah, yeah, yeah how often do you do that you know and um you know so what are the things that you do to have it be fun and, and make a culture of Serious work, I, I mean, I think we use humor a lot, but I think we're after something more than just entertainment or just spectacle. And so how do you make, when you're dealing with serious issues and people are taking those on and trying to investigate them and think about them and hold each other accountable to some of these bigger ideas that we are thinking about that may not fit in our own individual work, you know? My personal work is very different than the moving crews, you know? It's very different, you know? So, um, and that's true of anybody else in the group. So I guess, yeah, it'd be great if it just had different things coming in and out of it and if it could stay alive in some way um, and still have its voice. But I don't know. I don't know what's in its future. Um, you know, I think, I think we'll just have to see. Yeah. Okay, well, we should probably um, ask if are there are any other questions. Yeah. Two. How yeah. This one that's in the. Did it appear before? Has, what is that? Yeah. Well, the uh, so and while I'm answering that, I'm gonna grab these uh, catalogs too from one sure. of the projects. Um, but yeah, we got we got invited to uh, make a project in Chicago with Anchor Graphics and Columbia College's Center for Book, um, and so. 
take those and pass it on. So this is that IDLX project, and I will point out actually that it's a flip book as well. Oh yeah, there's a flip book on the side. Yeah, you can do that. So that tells a little bit about the project and gives you a flavor of what we are. Anyone else? Free book. And you don't have to keep, you could, if you don't want to keep it, you don't have to, but, but feel free to or give it to somebody. Um, this project here, we got invited to make this, this book and, uh, or make a, make a project, make a print or, sorry, the, you're talking about in the, in the gallery here at Cadditch. Um, so a couple years ago, 2014, we had given a talk somewhere um, and done a performance, and then uh, some of the folks from uh, Columbia College had seen it, and they said, ah, oh, like, you guys should come to Anchor Graphics and do a project, which was really generous and nice of them, and, and I don't think they knew what they were really suggesting. <laughs> um, and we said, yeah, that, we would love to, and we started talking about what we wanted to do, and because we respond to place... Um, we said, okay, Chicago, and we all, you know, many, we have members that live in Chicago. Uh, many of us have loved Chicago for many years, but we we went uh, with this idea about the Sears catalog, and we we'd been thinking about sort of the world and globalization and all these things in general with a lot of our projects, or the movement of goods and people, and the difference between goods and people, what can move, what can't. So, I mean, a lot of what we're after is, is um, sort of mobility studies. Um, but uh, but we decided to come up with a catalog. Like, what would the new sort of, in the 21st century, since the Sears catalog stopped in 1993, like, with all that westward expansion, with all the, you know, supplying sort of American goods and services, but not just American goods and services. I was talking to somebody from Honduras uh, a couple days ago, and she's like, oh, yeah, we had Sears catalog there. You know, that was the only thing we had before the Internet. It was, you know, and it would... Um, and I, I guess in Mexico it was very active as well. So, um, so Sears was international early, uh, early on. But anyway, we decided to create this catalog, and, and we were also looking at fire, old Firefox stuff about manuals for lib. This is back in your area, um, yeah, with Berea and other things. But, but looking at um, sustainability, ways of living, uh, what that would look like. Um, and we decided to say, what would be goods, services, uh, and so we did this call about, you know, things that would, people might want for viable living, um, and, and many of us put things in there too and sort of created these products, and we wanted it to be a real catalog, so these are things that we can manufacture and build. Um, it may be a little bit different than how you imagine it will be, but, but um, there are... <laughs> but, is that um, always the case? Yeah. You order the right, thing right. in the catalog yeah. and you get it? And oh, the... I thought these shoes would look... <laughs> yeah. I thought I would look really good in this shirt. Yeah. Uh, this is it. Huh? Huh. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. It's smaller than I thought it would go to you're, be. You're right. So, <laughs> so, and we thought it would be really interesting. Oh, like, instead of... Uh, Instead of a catalog, you know, and instead of online stuff, but we made the scroll, right? I don't know. We were thinking about, and it all rolls up so that you could carry it with you. It's, we, in, there, right? it's in there, yeah. And we thought it, you know, it needed to be mobile. If you were sort of in, this, in the future, you need to sort of have this thing that you can take with you and, and sort of have that little tube that you, you know, in an emergency, you need a supply. You open it up and go, oh, what do I need? And do that. And, uh, uh, so we so we created that scroll um, while we were in Chicago, or at least most of it. We didn't, and then a lot of it. We also had then we also had to work on it 
outside of that time for the residency and then and then um, yeah so uh, many voices in that school of different of different things and um, and and I should mention about the paper on that that's all from switchgrass so the paper is made the University of Illinois we collaborated um, I contacted the University of Illinois and said, oh, I'm really curious about your paper that you're doing out of Switchgrass. And they're looking at things more for, um, for shipping, all, mm. the, all the shipping now, you know, Amazon and everything. They're looking for non-styrofoam stuff. So they've been making sort of packing sustainable material. packing materials out of the University of Illinois, uh, Champaign-Urbana. Design program? Or through, yeah, through their, anything? Fresh Press is the name of this place. They're really awesome. And yeah, it's through their design but then they also, they use it in a lot of different ways. So yeah, but it started with their designers um, and really try to looking at what would be things that they could grow there that are renewable versus trees, right? Mm -hmm. So they tried a bunch of different things. You know, they're not, uh, I don't think they're specialists in paper making. You know, they had one of their grad students pulling the sheets and, they, and she did a nice job. Mm -hmm. But I think it's different than the sheets at different centers for the book sure. that would be around or, um, but but we uh, we were really interested in that the the what it was made out of was also something that was sort of about this viable viable mm. living. Um, so it was great to meet meet uh, meet those folks and tour their facility and and get that paper. We had it specially made for us. The sizes were to our specifications and and the switchgrass and the cool. They do some cool stuff. Yeah, they do stuff with um, you know. So we have no till around everywhere, but they do. There's a lot of stuff. They're, they're trying to make stuff out of the corn husks because sure. there's all of that every year. There's all of that, you know, so it's pretty Waste. interesting, yeah. interesting stuff that they're doing. Yes. Huh. Anyway, that's hopefully that gives you a sense of where this came out of. And we'd like to build a website with these products and keep adding to them. But again, like <laughs> no, time. <laughs> no time. Just quickly, the project before this one, did they have anything in common? Uh, let's see, the project right before this is probably what you're seeing right there. I'm trying to remember if we mm -hmm. did anything in between there. And I'm leaving out a few projects that we, that we did as well. Um, I mean, for me, I think it's really about, <laughs> yeah, I think they do have things in common. It's, it's really about... Maybe it gets to the name, the moving crew. Like what you're saying, what, how did the name, the name happen? You know, I wasn't at that meeting. <laughs> I, I came in and like, we found a name and it's the moving crew. It's like... Okay, but like, that wasn't my right? top. It wasn't but you my just top said, choice. You just said that moving what did you mobility. Say? mobility. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in mobility like studies really definitely. It. And yeah, yeah, like there's something there. Right? There is something there. The movement of goods and people mm -hmm. and products and services and ideas. Mm -hmm. Like I think we're really interested in how things move, how things cross mm -hmm. barriers, boundaries, how they cross cultures, how they how they move from one place to another. You know, how an invader might come in and then become. Like yeah, you know, like it, like the Han people of China sort of became right. more Chinese than right. you know. So um, so uh, yeah, so there's this sort of in interest in and an interest in what we're doing to the planet, and interest in what we're doing to our cities, to our spaces, how we live. Yeah. I mean, these are bigger ideas that we talk about. I mean, we're very dorky. We <laughs> for a while we had a. a yeah. There's a place outside of a city called Cosgrove, and we shared a studio there, and we had this big chalkboard that would just happen to be there because it's an old school, and we would just be writing up there and brainstorming, and like we are a tedious 
we're not, there's nothing sexy about what we do. It's like tedious, like idea sharing, collaboration. You guys like, just beat it into the ground. It's, oh, it's just meetings. It's all, no, <laughs> we have fun too. But, um, but yeah, it's, it is interesting that, you know, like we, we try to think about things. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, thanks so much. Yep. Thanks so much, everyone. Really appreciate it. The opportunity. I should say thank you, Phil, Philip. <laughs> Philip, yeah, Philip thank Hines. Philip. Thank you, Philip Hines, Philip Hines for representing the moving crew today. Philip Hines, because that's what you do at the restaurant. <laughs> this has been Q&A, recorded in the Kadich Gallery at St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa. The Kadich and Morrissey Galleries are located in the Galvin Fine Arts and Communications Center at 2101 North Gaines Street between Locust and Lombard. All content of this podcast is the exclusive property of St. Ambrose University, copyright 2017, and may not be utilized without expressed written permission.